0: what he's saying is everybody is guilty, guilty, guilty. But God has extended his love toward us. As a matter of fact, in Romans 5, 8, he said, but God, amen, commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, look back at the mercies of God. Look how he saved you. Look how he freed you. Look how he put you at liberty. Look how he changed your life. Look how he set your feet upon a solid rock. Look how he's established your goings. Look how he's secured you in the believer. And so Paul is pointing back to all them chapters and saying again and again and again and again and again, and again God has been merciful. I'm headed somewhere. Hang on. And then there's the emancipation of God's mercy. I was thinking about something. God said, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you submit your bodies to live in sacrifice holy, except on the Lord. And so what Paul said is he said, listen, I'm asking. You know why? Because a saved person has choice. They can choose to not submit to God and live a unjoyful, unholy life, if that's what they want. They can choose to do that. Or they choose to serve God, live for God have joy in their heart they choose that when you're lost in your sin you got no choice now just think about that this crowd that's lost, they say oh we're free live free, born free no they're not they do whatever sin says you, hey you take a drunker take his bottle away from him and you tell him he's free he'll do whatever he has to do to get that bottle back cause he ain't free. He's bound you take a drug addict, take his needle away from him, and then say, you're free. No, he'll do anything he can to get that needle back in his arm. Why? Because he's bound. You take somebody that's hooked on pornography, take their computer away from him, say, you're free. You know what they do? They do anything to get that computer back because they're bound. I'm telling you, when when Jesus makes you free, if the Son should make you free, you should be free indeed. And when the Lord makes you free, brother, Neil, I, all of a sudden, you've got the, you've got the ability to choose. You can choose to live in sin. You can choose, amen, not to fulfill the law of God, but follow after the lust of the flesh. You can choose to do that, or you can choose to have joy in your heart, have contentment in your soul. Amen. Hey, have a song on your lips. You can choose to sacrifice yourself and live for God and be happy if you want to. But it's a choice you have to make. Watch this. God don't make you. You know what I wish he like. Sometimes I wish his pastoring. I pastor a church. Sometimes I wish God hog hogtie somebody. I didn't. I wish he'd saw them, hogtie them, and drag them. And then get them to the altar and beat them till they done right. And then every time they mess up, beat them some more. But then I get to think about all the times I mess up. I'm like, boy, I guess I'm glad it don't work that way. So God doesn't force anybody to serve him. Rather, he beseeches them. That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying, when you consider how good God has been to you, how could you not have a desire to serve him? We've talked a little bit about the reasoning, that word, therefore, but here's really where I wanted to get to preach. I want to preach on the reaction to God's mercy. Paul said, God's been good to you. See, this is how God works it's the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance. God could stand over us and threaten us. This verse, Brother Neil, could say, if you don't sacrifice yourself, there's going to be consequences. You'll pay. You, you're, you're, boy, the bad things is going to happen. Get ready for terrible life. That could say all that. But it's not what it said. Paul said, think about how good God has been in your life. Think about how you, when you was headed to hell, uh, he rescued, snatched you out of the fire. Uh, think about how he saved you. How could you not sacrifice yourself uh, to, a God that been, oh boy, to a God that has been so good, uh, to a God that has saved you? How could you not consider the mercies of God? How could you not sacrifice yourself? You say, preacher, I thought you was preaching on the transformative power of God. This is what I'm preaching on. But I'm going to tell you this morning, if you want transformed, it starts with you. It starts by bringing yourself to an altar, laying it out on the altar and saying, here am I, Lord, send me. The natural reaction to God being so good It's for us to say, Lord, I want to serve you no matter what. I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Now, somebody might say, Preacher, I got all I needed when I got saved. There's no need in me doing anything else. Brother Rudy made this statement this week, and I thought it was outstanding. He said, "While while you may have gotten all of God when you got saved, God did not get all of you. You know what God wants? God don't want your money. God God don't want your stuff. God wants you. God wants you. Brother Milton gave an illustration this week about an Indian. I'd heard it before, but I think it fits right here. An old Indian got saved. He came back to the church. He told the preacher, Preacher, God wants Indians tomahawk. Gave him the tomahawk. Came back the next Sunday and he said, Preacher, God wants Indians bow and arrow. Gave the bow and arrow. Came back the next Sunday and he said, Preacher, God wants Indians teepee. So he gave the teepee the next Sunday the Indian walked down an aisle tears rolling down his face he said preacher God wants Indian that's what God wanted all along God took Abraham up Moriah not because he wanted Isaac because he wanted Abraham all of him all of him so our journey over the next few weeks and I feel like God I feel like God wants to do, really do something in our midst. I'm trying not to start crying because once I do I don't stop. But I don't want to not like crying because I remember Miss Pansy told me one time not to never apologize for tears. But uh, so I'll just sit here and cry. I think God wants to do something for you. For you. And then, if God will do something for you, I think He wants to do something for all. But see, it starts with you. It starts with you saying, I'm going to move in the direction of the Lord. I want Him to have me. I may not have much, but I want Him to have it. So if we're going to have a a transforming process, if in the next few weeks our church is going to be different, if individuals are going to be different, it starts by you saying, you know what? He's right. I have walked in here with hurt feelings for two or three weeks, and that ain't right. You know what? The preacher's right. I have been living in a way that I hadn't ought to live, and that ain't right. You know what? The preacher's right. I can blame everybody else in this church for my spiritual problem, but when it boils down to it, it's me, Lord. I need to get in that altar. His mercies is why. How silly one day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he says, why did you become idle on me? Lord, those people hurt my feelings. How silly. Why did you become idle on me? Lord, that girl I was dating, she was so important to me. Why did you become idle on me? Lord, that addiction that I had to, those things I was looking at, they just ruled my life. Why did you become idle on me? See, and... The span of eternity, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, does it? Now, I think about the mercies of God and I think about how good God has been, and it makes me want to give myself. Watch this there is a sacrifice embodied. God wants us. He wants you. He wants you willfully, no strings attached. He wants you wholly, no holding back. And He wants you to offer it with worship. Sacrifice and worship always goes together. You know what worship, real worship is? Real worship could be said worship. It's me going, Lord, you're everything and I'm nothing. God, you're big and I'm small. God, you're everything. That's real worship and that's what God wants from you this morning. I'd crawl to this altar if I had to. I'm right now done. There's the sacrifice that's enabled. God said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices were dead. Couldn't do nothing with a dead sacrifice. It's dead. God said, We want one living. You know why? Because God is going to do something in you, He wants to do something with you. I'm going to embarrass Noah. Come here, Noah. We've, we've ragged him all week over his falling incident. But I was proud of him. He was just trying to get out of there and run away. I could tell you some stories that make you proud of this boy this week. I've seen him make a move. Let me tell you something. And I hope this don't bother you, but I'm, I'm, I told somebody, I said in a lot of ways, I told another preacher this week, I said in a lot of ways, Noah is one of the most unlikely candidates I know of for God to do anything with. He's rambunctious. He's boisterous. A lot of times he gets his mouth in gear before he gets his brain in gear. You know what? Am I telling it right? Let me tell you somebody that was that same way a lot of times. That was a man by the name of Peter. And there was a few nights this week I saw him crawl on altar. I said, you know what? God might make something out of that boy yet makes me mad sometimes. I want to wring his neck. I want to wring his ever-loving neck. You can't hurt his feelings. I've talked to him. and the, Nobody in here got no excuse to be mad at me because I've talked rougher to Noah than anybody. In, I've talked rougher to Noah than anybody I've ever pastored in my life. Because I want to see him do good. See. What I'm trying to say is this. God wants a living sacrifice. God wants to do something in Noah's life. He wants to do something in your life. But he can't do it as long as you're holding anything back. You say, boy, I'd like to be powerful. I'd like to be used to the Lord. Give it all. How much does God want all of it? He wants you. You know why that's called an altar? An altar was a place where a sacrifice was elevated to God and consumed. When they got done with the sacrifice at the tabernacle, there was nothing left of it. They'd sift through the ashes till all the bones was gone. See, if you want to be transformed, if you want to have the power of the Almighty working through and in your life, the very first step is to say, Lord, I don't want to be me anymore. I don't want life to be about me. I don't want to be so self-absorbed that I think it's got to be the way I want it. No, Lord, I want to lay myself out on that altar. I want to give it to you, lock, stock, and barrel. You take every last piece of me. I'm holding nothing back. This is me. I want you to take it and mean it with all your heart and watch God do a work in your life. Many years ago, there's a man preaching in a revival He said it's yet to be seen what God could do with a man that would fully yield himself to him. There was a young man standing in the back who had just got saved in a Chicago shoe store. He stood up and he said, preacher, by God's grace, I'll be that man. Left out of that meeting, nobody knew who he was. Somebody said, who was that nappy-headed kid that come in here and said he was going to be, by God's grace, going to be everything. I don't know, some old boy named Moody. I think it was Dwight Lyman. God can do something in your life. The choice is yours. If you want to be hurt, go to your grave hurt. You want to be bitter, go to your grave bitter. You want to be mad, Go to your grave mad. If that's what you want to do, God ain't going to force you. I could come talk to you, but it wouldn't do you no good. If you want to be indifferent, go to your grave indifferent. That's up to you. God's going to let you decide. You're free to decide. But if there's something on the inside tugging, saying, son, I'd like something better for your life. Yeah. I'd like something better for your life. And there's an altar. Let's stand to our feet, Father, Lord Jesus. Would you help us to move in your direction, Lord? Individuals, church folk, Lord, lay upon this altar a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Lord, a desire to do better. A desire to be transformed. A desire to have a different life. A desire to be made new again. A desire to be used, Lord, for your power to fill us. God, these young boys, these young preachers, these young people, God, I pray that you'd fill them with a stir like we've not seen in years around this church. God, our older people, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd stir their hearts with a stir uh, like we've never seen around this church. Uh, I pray, God, that hurt feelings would be mended, uh, that problems would be solved, uh, that hearts would be healed, uh, that everything would be helped. Uh, God, I pray that you'd use our church. Uh, God, send revival. Uh, God, stir our hearts again from heaven. Uh, God, do a work, Lord, in our midst. Oh, we thank you for what you're doing around here, Lord. <laughs> thank you for what you're doing. Alders full, but there's still room for you. There's still room for you. I'm going to pray. Sometimes I just got to go pray. If you need to come while I'm praying, you come. Come.